Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh Chernovoy and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about a couple movies that are a part of franchises that are either gotten sequels or gotten spinned off or rebooted in various ways after being away from us for a long time in Ocean's 8 and Incredibles 2. And I'm joined by my friend Joe Morgan to talk about them. Joe, how's it going? Pretty good. You know, I'm glad I fit into this very specific Venn diagram here. So, Well, yeah, so we're going to start with Ocean's Eleven. I, 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 on my previous podcast, you were basically the Pixar correspondent, and I, I still like having you for that role, but I didn't actually know that you were a big fan of the Ocean's movies, or at least Ocean's Eleven, because I think there's also a distinction to be made there. Um, <laughs> because I, Ocean's Eleven is one of my five favorite movies of all time. If people ask me for my favorite, I'm like, I don't have a favorite. And they say, well, do you have like a top few? And I'm like, I have a top five. And it is one of them. And I didn't know you were really into those movies, but I've never actually like rewatched. I've made. He like knew about how it was a remake and all that stuff. So he's like, yeah, sure. Of course. So we go to see it. And it's like my first PG 13 movie. And I guess I'm like 10, nine or 10 at the time. And it was incredible. Like so much better than Batman or Robin. <laughs> you didn't see a PG 13 movie until you were 10. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, well, it came out in 2001. And so, and you're a little younger than me. So like I was 10 then. So yeah, I guess you would have been around. Still, mm-hmm. that's like pretty old for the first PG thirteen movie. But I think they, they chose they chose a good one to take you to. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, I loved it, and I've where, seen all from since. And just, where do you stand on the sequels? You know what? Like, I understand why people don't like the sequels, but I really like them. Like the whole Julia Roberts thing from Ocean's Twelve. Like, I thought I find that great and funny. Like, I, I, I was pretty <laughs> impressed when they did that. For me, Ocean's Twelve was just like, and maybe I was like too young to follow along. And if I like actually gave it another shot, I'd be more down with it but like there's just so many like double crossings and twists and weird things that happen in that movie and not that there's like sleight of hand and trickeration and a bunch of different heists and different schemes and stuff in oceans 11 but like it felt like oceans 12 like had way too much going on in it for me from what i recall and i was just like yeah i don't know about this but i like the i like the julia roberts thing and the i know there's like the the like the whole thing with Bruce Willis and stuff like that. Like <laughs> I remember that stuff, but it's just like, I remember a lot of the rest of it just being like, eh, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, like in Ocean's 13 had its charms too. It's just like, I find Ocean's 11 to be like one of the most rewatchable movies ever. Uh, oh, yeah. so knowing that having that relationship with the franchise, what did you think when it's that you heard that they're going to remake it, um, with the, with the female cast of eight? Like what, what was your, cause I was pretty excited when I found out about it, you know? Yeah, I was too, because um, I guess the big thing was, like, I really like tonally what those movies do. Like, they, they're very much just winking at you the entire time and, like, just trying to, like, cross you up at the right moment, which this one had that element to it. So I was I was excited about that, and then I was also excited just to get more of them because, I don't know, I just, I love them. I shamelessly love all three of the Ocean's movies, so I was just like, yeah, like, I'll do this, and then... Um, but when they were like, Sandra Bullock is Danny Ocean's sister, um, I was just like, uh, come on. But then like, <laughs> but then like when I watched it, like it didn't bother me as much as I thought it would. would so, um, I, that relationship part of it didn't bother me as much. And I, I, part, part of it for me though, was like, like, I, like I'm saying, I have this love of Ocean's Eleven and I think there's a way they could have done this movie where she's still Danny Ocean's sister, but they don't have as much as many ties to that movie. And maybe I'm not as apt to try and compare the two movies then because there's absolutely no shame in not being as good of a movie as Ocean's 11. It's, it's, right. a, it's a very big ask of anyone, but at the same time, like when you have multiple cameos from Ocean's 11 in it, you have all this stuff where they're talking about Danny and then you're showing Danny's picture and they're commenting on Danny. And like, there's a few scenes that are like, which are a couple of problematic things for me that are like almost straight out of Ocean's Eleven. It's like I'm going to compare them. I'm sorry. Like you, yeah. you, you've brought this upon yourself once you do that. And I still like this movie enough that like I didn't mind going again. Like I think both of us have seen it twice. And mm-hmm. I, and since uh, I saw a lot of movies twice last year, but now Movie Pass doesn't allow you to do that. And it's like right. the fact that I'm willing to go spend my own money then again to go see it again, despite the fact that like I don't have Movie Pass for that like last year it shows that I wouldn't have done that if I just absolutely did not like it. But I mean, I still think that like maybe some of what, uh, is keeping me back from giving this movie like the highest of high marks would be like, I, there are things that it's just like, I can clearly see that you did not do as well as ocean's 11. Uh, yeah. but I, st- but I, I still had a lot of fun watching all these actresses kind of do their thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, it was just great to see, you know, it's it's weird to talk. It's weird to like throw this word around, but it was like almost nostalgic for me mm-hmm. <laughs> to see like this type of movie again. So I was a bit more forgiving of 
the flaws if that makes sense because i was just like oh my god like you know i'm 10 years old again and i'm watching <laughs> i'm watching like an oceans movie in the theater and like it felt very cool so well the, um, well and the other thing is that uh, did it even have to be like an oceans movie is the other, is the, the other question I wanted to ask, because I mean, mm. I think that's the hook, I guess, to get like a lot of people into the theater. Like I'm, I would see a heist movie involving these actresses, even if it was just called something totally different, unrelated to this. And it, it didn't have any ties. So I guess it's part of the thing is like, we want to get people to come, but I mean, I was just trying to think about it. It's like, if you just take out all the connections, um, maybe I'm not drawing all these comparisons throughout, and maybe I'm a little more forgiving of some of the stuff in the movie I didn't like as much. But like I said, I like I still I still like some of it, but it's like something I thought about a lot. Like was like, did you need to necessarily do this? Because like from the outset, I mean, Ocean's Eleven it, it begins with a scene um, with Danny in prison or getting getting paroled. Same thing, same that it is here with Debbie, but like those similarities almost didn't bother me as much because it went, it goes straight into like a really fun scene, you know, like the, the, from the very beginning, like what she's doing when she's walking around this department stores and doing this stuff in the hotel. Like I actually probably like, I, I probably enjoyed that heist more than the actual heist itself. Like it, it's, it's really fun. And it does stand on its own a little bit in that way because um, oceans 11 does start out a bit differently. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I guess like the one thing, cause like that's, that's something that I've talked about with a couple of people too, is did it have to be an oceans movie? And I guess, like, you think about, like, other heist movies recently. I don't I don't know. Like, is Now You See Me a heist movie? I didn't see that. Uh, the Magician one? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, uh, yeah, they're not, you, you didn't miss much by not seeing them, especially the, the second one. But, I mean, um, it's almost, it's almost more like they just want to, like, do cool stuff than necessarily, like, steal a bunch of stuff um and and entertain people like it's it's not a heist movie per se but like they do some heist type things i'd say and i wonder i wonder when they were like developing this if it was almost more like we want to make like a fun like a very fun like you know winking uh heist movie and it's like do we try to make our own thing and be compared to oceans or do we might as well just embrace the oceans connection and just make it like an oceans movie and maybe we'll get more people off of that so uh yeah, I guess I guess that's what I was saying. Yeah, and Steven Soderbergh was funny as he was involved too, and they took a while to. There was a long runway, I think, between when they filmed it and when they released it. So this might have even been, a lot of this might have been going on at the same time as Logan Lucky, which was personally a bit of a letdown for me. Actually, I didn't love it, even though like I one of my favorite movies is a Steven Soderbergh heist movie. But um, but yeah, no, I I, I do I, I like I was just thinking about that question a lot because like i said that i mean we even joked about it when we first talked about doing this podcast is like this is kind of hollywood now it's like you 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 recycle and you reboot things and you do sequels and all that and i mean and i'd probably like have more problems with it if i like had enjoyed the movie less but it was just something i thought about because it is so closely tied to one of my favorite films um but 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 just to uh, just to kind of keep it moving though i'm wondering um like I said, I like that beginning heist, and then um, what did what did you think of just the whole movie setup? Because like you're not going to not have a getting the gang together scene in a heist movie, whether it is a oceans movie or not. So, what did you think about the introduction of all these new characters and how they handled that? You know, like the Oceans Eleven, like getting the gang together montage is like one of the great things about that movie. Like every scene is just so specific, and like I mean, I just think of like. Uh, the Malloy twins, like exactly having like their racetrack where, I mean, that's just such a classic hilarious thing that tells you like exactly who they are. And, um, you know, I thought that this one definitely had its moments. Like I kind of, I kind of liked Sarah Paulson, like, mm-hmm. uh, Sarah Paulson scene. I thought that was great. She's one of the best characters in the movie for me. And then, um, just, I loved her whole deal. And then, uh, like it was nice to see Mindy Kaling kind of shine a little bit with her, like whole thing with her mom and all that stuff. But, um, it even though like I thought it was well done and like I enjoyed it, but it still just kind of paled in comparison. And I guess that's part of the point where having the Ocean's name in the title like takes away from it a little bit. But right, because like you said, that is one of the best things Ocean's Eleven does. When I did a podcast on Suicide Squad, um, mm-hmm. I'd say it's the opposite ends of the spectrum as far as terms of quality. But my point was like that movie spends like thirty minutes doing like it's getting to the end of those scene. You still don't really know anything about those characters. And then it's what's great about the oceans thing is it's so economical. Um, I read that like that thing in the ringer the other day with the ranking of the characters, and I was just going back. And I actually rewatched Oceans Eleven for the first time in a couple years, like last week. But like I, I wasn't paying close attention to like how long some of those scenes were. And like the whole entire Basher sequence is like a minute forty. The thing with yeah. the twins is even shorter than that. And like you know them 
so well. And I, I like Mindy Kaling, but I, I don't know if I left this knowing much more than about her than like as a person. Yeah. Like It's funny mm-hmm. watching her complain about her mom not telling her to find a man because – I can relate to that a little bit. My family's like, go find a nice Jewish girl. You know, like, it's like, so I get a chuckle out of that, but it's like, I don't, you don't really get a sense of much of what, who she is the rest of the movie. Like, she, Mm -hmm. she's on Tinder at one point with Aquafina, and that's kind of funny. It's like, still, it's just her trying to find a man. And she makes a comment like, oh, like, she's there when they like, first scan the necklace. And it's like, I don't know, she has a ton else to do before like, her actual role in the heist. So, like, when you have fewer characters than, like, the predecessor movie, but, like, I don't know if you, and you're getting the Genie there scenes probably about as long, but you probably don't get to know the characters as well. It's kind of, it's noticeable, but, like, like I said, I still like Sarah Paulson, too, and, like, almost more important than all the getting the gang together stuff in Eleven is just, like, the dynamic between uh, uh, Rusty and Danny, and that's what you have with, like, the Debians and... Um, and Lou characters, and I and I really and like I just really enjoyed them like hanging out, you know. Like yeah. that's a hard thing to want to just that blatantly imitate. Like have the two main characters at first, like they're very. And that's the other thing with the Rusty scene, like the poker scene is so good in Ocean's Eleven, where he's teaching the celebrity <laughs> how to play poker. And so I mean, I'm, I, I, they didn't even really try and necessarily do something like that. It's just she's doing some other kind of job. But I, mm-hmm. I, I, I like just like seeing the first two friends connect. Like they did that well too. I think. Yeah, absolutely, and. Um, <laughs> I thought one thing that was pretty great is like, you know how like Rusty Ryan's like always eating something every time you see him in the oceans. Mm-hmm. And then you have that big scene with like Debbie and Lou. And then like Debbie has to convince Lou to like take a bite of something at mm-hmm. the end. And like, I was like, I wonder if that's, that was just like a nod to that or if it was just completely unrelated. But I personally, I was like, Oh yeah. Like that's totally like a, a nod to, um, to Rusty, hopefully. But. Yeah, no, and it, it, well, it's funny to see. Like, I think that's a more of, that's almost more of a Brad Pitt thing than a Rusty thing. Like he's kind of known for eating food in movies, <laughs> the way like yeah. Tom Cruise is known for riding motorcycles or whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, she may be playing the Brad Pitt character, but like we're gonna like actually like make her eat the food or whatever, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so like that. I mean, that stuff was fun. Like kind of once they got together, like I. Um, uh, even though, like, I think it's just like I said, it's something else where it's inevitable. Like, I could see where another movie has has done it so much better. But like, I like all the actresses, you know. And mm-hmm. as long, even if like maybe I don't get to know those characters as much as I want to, I think the main reason why I still enjoyed this movie because like I have, I actually have a lot of problems with the heist. But the reason that like I'm still, over, I would probably still overall give it a thumbs up is because it's like it's still fun, so fun seeing them all like just hang out and do stuff. Even if like I don't necessarily like love everything that they ultimately do like they're charming enough and i think that's like the problem that's more important I, I i like to say that oceans 11 is a like a hangout movie disguised as a heist movie you know yeah. and i think like so as long as you like you enjoy hanging out with them like the heist is secondary even though it's pretty nice if you can do a cool heist as well mm-hmm. yeah i guess the next part of then is to ask you like what you thought about like just how the movie then progressed to the heist like what what were your thoughts because the funny thing about oceans 11 is that in the beginning danny has the scene at ruben's house where they where he's just like he walks him through it so it's like you know what that heist is like going to be like you might not know some of the specifics but they walk you through like exactly everything that you need to do and from the beginning whereas here it's like you see them doing a bunch of small things to eventually get to it but you don't actually know what it's going to entail once they get into the met uh how did you think this movie pulled off its heist overall uh i thought it was a lot of i thought it was a lot of fun um it definitely like it had like the good moments like the close brushes the um you know like the bus boy stopping in the hallway and like you know sarah paulson having to come out and uh i should have remembered her name i keep calling her tammy 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 coming in and being like hey like you know we're not paying you to talk yeah it had it had the moments like that kind of like when you know yen gets his cast stuck in the uh in the um the treasure uh, the treasure room listen to me the vault um, <laughs> uh yeah the vault yeah so um you know it just i don't know if this is i don't know see i don't know if this is me like pre, like with my it just it was a lot of fun and like i had a lot of different twists and turns and everything but it just it just still kind of lacked that um one of the great things about the oceans 11 heist is that you're not really sure like Danny's like situation with the group is like rocky at that point because mm-hmm. like he and Rusty had the big falling out and then like Linus has no idea that Danny's going to be there and then uh, like Danny's getting roughed up by you know the big muscly guy I can't remember his name and um, well he's getting 
I'm doing air quotes roughed up. And then yeah, yeah, <laughs> he yeah, helps yeah. him like go through the lights and it turns out he's paid him off and he surprises Linus. And it's such like a great moment. And, you know, I mean, we do get the scene in Ocean's 8 of like Debbie and like Luke confronting Debbie about making it a revenge job. But then like – See, that that, the- that, that that one thing bothered me because it was like you're just trying yeah. to like – you're copying something almost word for word from Ocean's 11. I didn't think that was necessary. but Yeah, and then it didn't have the – it didn't have the added on uh, cleverness of the like <laughs> having Danny just pop up online and starting the heist, which I think is great because, you know, I mean – Especially with a movie, how in these movies, how meticulously planned everything was, just to have that moment where um, Linus is like, "Oh shit!" You know? Well, it's a little, uh, it's a little weird because like, it's kind of a funny thing in that one where it's like it was something presumably like Rusty and Danny kind of arrange off screen just to show up there, and it's like it's only going to help, I guess, to like have the extra pair of hands there. But it's weird in this one is like there's a whole other element to the heist where like six eighths of the group doesn't know about it, which is mm-hmm. kind of bizarre, like. Yeah, way like, more so. Like, all, they hit the ball from so much of the group, which isn't really exactly what they do in Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, it was almost too much because, like, the Daphne twist. I'm like, okay, like that's like the thing they could hide, right? But then it was just like, um, stealing the other, uh, stealing the other diamonds slash jewels slash whatever. And it's um, like, such a big thing that you probably everyone needs to kind of like maybe. I mean, they obviously didn't need to understand it, but it's like. <laughs> that's so weird that you could pull off something that's even more elaborate without telling so many of them just because they, they bring in Yen and it's like, all right, you just do all the work. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> which, is, which is kind of bizarre. Cause like who, who doesn't love Yen, but yeah. it's like a lot of this movie is like, Oh yeah, we're, we're going to be the women. We don't need the help of the men. <laughs> and you bring the man in to like help finish the job. It's, I, I don't know, uh, kind of weird, but I thought part of the cool thing about it was that it actually didn't seem like that. The, the, the actual heist itself didn't seem mm-hmm. that implausible um, yeah. and just how they pull it off. But what seemed so implausible is everything they did to get in position to do the heist, uh, <laughs> which I mean – and that's the thing about Ocean's Eleven. It's like they got to get – they get a guy – they get Frank on the inside, but it's like that guy's a blackjack dealer. It's not crazy, and then they incorporate his – him not actually having his identity into part of the heist, and it's a little ingenious in that way. But like mm-hmm. – and there might be a few uh, suspension of disbelief type things in Ocean's Eleven, but it's like – here you have the um, here you have to like Tammy just gets a job at Vogue that's responsible for like running the Met Gala and like first of all we hear Danny had been talking to Ruben about this plan that Debbie had been planning for years and she's like it's brilliant she might end up in jail but it's brilliant she's like I've been doing this for five years and it, every time I've ran it through my head like I can't see how it would possibly fail but it's like a lot of stuff like you can't control like has to happen for this supposedly bulletproof plan to work like first there's like no guarantee that like daphne's just not going to agree to wear someone else's dress like how do you know that's not going to like happen and then you tammy just getting a job that's responsible for like so much of the mep gala on like such short notice like how could you have known she'd been able to do that or Mm -hmm. then getting i guess once you're in position it's not that hard to get like i thought the first time i thought i'm like oh because she was able to hire all the other girls but she just gets kate blanchett hired as the nutritionist which fine but then all of a sudden like two of the other very key people in the group they just get jobs in the kitchen and it's like with ocean's 11 it's like a a vegas casino like anyone can walk into a vegas casino the met gal is like the most prestigious party in the world basically and with all these celebrities that presumably have their own security that probably like you're gonna need to vet the hell out of like anyone you hire to work that thing it's just Mm -hmm. like it kind of yada yada is how they get everyone in that position which i mean i don't know if that should bother me because it's more about the heist i guess itself it should be but it's like i kept thinking about that you know yeah and even and even like that element too of like you know getting guys on the inside like one of the great like funny little things about oceans 11 it's like when livingston goes to like um i forget what it is but he goes to implant the device in the uh, in the server room and it's just such a disaster for him like he's so nervous and like his like the blueprint he's drawn on his hand like sweats off because he's Mm -hmm. like wiping his brow and everything and he has the confrontation with the security guy and everything and like it just it that scene was like it shows you how difficult it was to really breach the whole thing and then you know you know tammy getting that job at uh vogue and just being in charge of all this stuff like so instantly just because i mean i guess it feels like the kind of thing that you'd have to be at vogue for like i mean just being in the industry that i am you know you have to like work a really long time to like get a responsibility like that you know and then she just comes in and i mean must have been a hell of a resume for it and this and and this whole that whole sequence is like all, all those things i just ran off is probably like my biggest thing with the movie it just seems like 
there's a way to do that without like having all those leaps. And you just got to tell your story a bit differently. A lot of people have criticized this movie for the director, Gary Ross. Um, he, I mean, he's been around a while. He did like I guess one of the Hunger Games movies. He did Pleasantville, and I mean, some people are like, "Oh, he's just a very pedestrian director." And it's like, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are, are going to feel like that if you put him next to Steven Soderbergh. But I mean, I don't know. I didn't really have a move problem with like. I, it, I mean, I guess he's the co-writer, and I feel like that might be more on where my issue lies than any actual specific directorial choice he made. I mean, like the mm-hmm. movie, like I like, I don't have a problem with the way the camera moves in this movie or how it's edited or anything like that, you know, or how it's put together per se. It's just I, I found there's like too many potholes for me, and I'm usually I don't know if I usually complain that much about potholes in when I've talked about movies the last few years. I just, I don't know if I have, but like I, I just noticed that stuff too much, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I but like I said. I thought it was cool that like you were able to actually have this thing actually feel so doable in something with it that was so impenetrable, but I just didn't necessarily love how they got there. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but like, I still like, like these actresses enough that I didn't, it's like, I'm not hating sitting there while I'm seeing them do a bunch of stuff. That's like, ah, this is like too unrealistic even for a movie. And mm-hmm. I'd say that's like my biggest takeaway from this thing. It's like their charm, like probably outweighed that stuff for me, but it, all that stuff is still there. Mm-hmm. But the weird thing about this was, is I looked down at my watch, and it's like, huh, there's like 35 minutes left in this movie, and like they're about to finish the heist. Uh, yeah. What 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 did you think about the the reveal of Daphne? You you alluded to it earlier. How how did you think the movie handled that? Because for me, it happened a little too quickly. Yeah, like. I think she's really fun and I'm glad that she like ended up part of the team. Cause I was trying to think, like, Oh yeah. She steals the movie for sure. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, I guess Terry Benedict's pretty involved with the other one, but it's just like, I was like, I want more of her. Like if, if we're going to do oceans nine and oceans 10 or whatever, like I really wanted more of her. And I'm glad that she wasn't just like this, like this, uh, Patsy for the crime. And then it was over. So, um, I guess like, I guess I want, like, she's kind of, portrayed as like this ditzy like fashion person like fashion Mm -hmm. actress kind of person and i kind of wish like her reasons for joining had been like a little more uh intelligent and thought out because it's like she drops the line um she she drops the line like i just wanted more female friends which you know is haha funny in the moment you know but then it's It's not it's not like they 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 do call her out on it like mm -hmm you're going to become a felon so you can have friends like they, they do. But it's like, that is kind of like a ridiculous thing to do. It, it would have been almost more like what they should have done, I think was like made it more clear. Like James Corden was going to like find some way to connect her to the crime if she didn't do it. And mm-hmm. then, and then she's like, all right, well, I guess I got to help them. Like, I mean, I, they, they kind of yada yada that too. Where they're like, Oh, we had a feeling she might know what was going on. So we approached her, I guess is what they said, but that all that happens off screen where uh, Lou and Debbie do that. So it's like, I think they could have just shown, like, a, I mean, if you added even five more minutes in there just to show, like, Corden closing in on her and th- them realizing, hey, she might flip unless we just, like, include her in on this. And if even if she does flip on them, like, it could still end up looking bad for her from a PR standpoint regardless. So it's like they could have, like, developed those reasons a little more. I agree with you there. Yeah, and it, it almost would have been fun to have a scene where either she, like, I mean, I don't know if this takes away from the heist, though. This is me, like, you know, after the fact and everything. But, like, I almost wonder if there's, like, a scene where – because, like, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a fun twist when they're all celebrating the apartment and you don't really think anything of it. And then, like, she walks in. Yeah. And it's, it's almost better, uh-huh. like, if, like, you know, Daphne had been doing something, like, the night of the gala or whatever. And then, like, you know, Debbie walks in or something and, like, they know each other, you know, like, to catch you a bit more off guard. And you can kind of see, like, how it was pulled together. Rather than just seeing the aftermath of it, but yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, and did, well, did you see that coming? Because I actually, I did, but like probably not for the obvious reason. Like I wasn't even thinking during the movie how oh they only have seven right now. Like I did not occur to me even until that point, which is probably what tipped off a lot of people. But what kind of like tipped off me, and I don't even think I looked at the movie poster. The way the movie poster has it set up, it's like obvious that there's like she's one of eight people. But it's like there was the first still from the movie was like that train still, which they didn't even really it wasn't actually much of a scene in the movie. It like briefly shows him on a train where she's like wearing a green jacket and has like sunglasses on and like looks like a crazy person holding a knife. Like that was one of the first stills they released from the movie was Anne Hathaway like that. And I and from that point on, I was just like, oh, I guess she's like part of the crew. But then I saw the first trailer. It's like, oh, I guess not. But like, there's still that picture of her on the train. So I guess there's more to that character eventually. Um, but I, I really like 
like she, she was just so much fun. I mean, there was like the first scene where she's like, like just she like snaps back at her assistant, and, like yeah, 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 can you? And she like does that kind of thing, and that was just like hilarious. And like her like just getting all excited when she gets the jewels and stuff like that. But then like her actually like having to like go and seduce Claude. Like that was or his name's Claude, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Her that, like. Like that was like so much fun. That was so much fun. Like I've heard some people being like, "I ah, they they should have made the guy character like not such a total loser or whatever." But I just I enjoyed watching her take advantage of him. So I didn't really care if that <laughs> there wasn't a lot to that character. Like also kind of the point of the movie, you know, the the men are secondary. Yeah, exactly. And I just every time she was on screen, it was like really funny and charming. And when she was gone, it was you know not that the other people weren't great, but I was just like, "All right, when's Daphne going to be back?" Did you see <laughs> Did you see Colossal last year? No, I did not. Um, like, you know, it's been like I was. This is something I was thinking about. I was like, it's been a while since I've seen Anne Hathaway because I think I watched like her Robert De Niro movie on the on the on a plane one time. The Intern, yeah, but, <laughs> the Intern, yeah. Um, but like other than that, I hadn't seen her. Um, well, I was never really that privy to like the whole. I mean, it was like an unfortunate few years after she won the Oscar where people just didn't like her, but no one was really sure why, and yeah, was, like the, people weren't nice to her, and like. I didn't really have an opinion because I never even saw Les Miserables, and I, I didn't I didn't see a lot of her movies for a few years. I was like, I don't really know why people don't like her, but I don't really see her movies, so it's out of sight, out of mind for me. But I saw Colossal, and she's awesome in Colossal. You should watch it. It's really okay. cool. It's a cool. It's a cool, weird, interesting premise of a movie, and a really cool, like really revelatory Jason Sudeikis performance in addition to her. But that, that like made me a fan of hers again. But like, not not a ton of people saw that movie. Like a lot of people are going to see this movie, so I think hopefully people like get back on the Anne Hathaway train and. Uh, she starts making cool movies again because uh, it was it was just delightful. Like I mean, without her, like I might give the movie a, th- a thumbs down. Like the other stuff, like I said, I, the movie overcame the other stuff. But who knows if for me? If who knows if it does? If she's not there, um, mm-hmm. so that's really cool. Uh, what what did you think of uh, the whole James Corden thing? Uh, I thought he was funny. Uh, like I kind of liked, I kind of liked how because I mean you know it's not a big part of the original Ocean's trilogy at all. The insurance thing, or like I don't know. I let me rack me my brain real quick. I don't. Re- yeah. I, like, okay. Oh, I don't even know how those last two. And I know that I know the second one they got the, the what the the eggs or stuff like that. But like I don't really know. Like I don't remember the aftermath. Like I know it's like oh you're stealing something you didn't think you were stealing. There's all that, but like there's not much of like an investigation in the latter two, are there? Like from no. so it's I mean, it is a different a very different twist and choice this movie decided to make. You know. Yeah, because like in Ocean's Twelve, like <laughs> like. You know, Vincent Castle, the Night Fox, steals yeah. the the fake egg because they actually get the real egg on the train. Spoiler alert: the movie's been out for you know fourteen years, and then um, and then uh, you know, oh yeah, because like these, and then the third one's not so much a heist as it is sort of a um, just the house loses sort of thing. But um, yeah, like I thought that was kind of an interesting angle to take because like like you, I was like, wait a second, like the heist is already over, like yeah, and I was like, what's gonna and then I forgot that Corden was even in it because he's like in one of the uh, publicity stills with a. Oh, I didn't even know he was in it until I saw the movie. So when he shows uh, up, I'm like, is this a James Corden cameo? Which is it's a weird thing. Like he's a fine actor and stuff he's been in, but like more so than most other celebrities, like late night hosts make appearances in movies as themselves. So I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, is James Corden playing himself in this for me? Like I had no idea. It was a little disorienting when he first showed up. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I thought he was fun, and uh, it was kind of cool to like. It's kind of cool that there was a bit of a history with the oceans there, and like it kind of made me curious. Like, all right, like where it was like, I was thinking like, where we go from here? Cause I'm like, we can't just drop that. Like James Corden has been chasing the oceans for years and then like never come back to it again. So I was like, <laughs> I was thinking, okay, like once he was there and they, they, they dropped all that back. Like, cause like when she meets him in the restaurant or whatever, um, they're dropping, um, where he meets Debbie in the restaurant and they're talking back and forth about her brother and her and her rap sheet or whatever. And I was like, okay, there's gotta be more of this. And there's no way Danny's actually dead. Um, but yeah, like I, I mean, I thought he's you know, he's funny. He added like some nice weight to it, and then. Um, well, I liked it better than you saw. You said you said you saw Logan Lucky. Yeah. So it's like they didn't do a very much with the Hillary Swank character in it, which is very bizarre that you enlist a two-time Oscar winner to be in your movie, and then it's like tacked on, and there's not much there. And they did more with James Corden in this movie than they did there. I'd say. And I thought it was kind of funny how he's like, "Look, I'm not even law enforcement in this instance. I just like I'm here for the insurance company." And it was kind of <laughs> weird to me that he was like satisfied with just like recovering 10 percent of the necklace but like that was what they that, that was what they offered him and it was kind of funny how he's like well, he just didn't even really care like he's like 
I mean, like he'd been chasing them for a while. He's like, look, I just need to do my job here. Like, I don't even care. I'm tired. Like, fine. Let me set that. I, Cause I guess he knew that Claude had been involved in a, in the prior thing. Like he just kind of, he knew that like that guy wasn't above, like wasn't uh, like an innocent either for lack of a better term. So he was fine to just like go along with Debbie, just to, like say, look what I did. And then he was just like playing along. Like I, I kind of thought it was like an interesting twist as opposed to like just having him just be some guy that's like, hellbent on taking her down no matter what it was a little not what i thought it was going to be when i someone showed up to play that role of investigator Mm -hmm. and his demeanor works that way too where he's someone who can just kind of be like manipulated you know like he's just very uh friendly happy-go-lucky kind of and like put upon was his big thing yes 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 come on just like can you tell me you know uh like it was well it was well cast in that regard and um it was nice too that like the you know, given how like this is the movie, like you know about the women characters for the women characters that Debbie was able to like control him like that. I thought that was like a fun dynamic as well. Right. So I, I don't think I realized till about like f- four days before I saw the movie that like oh it's Ocean's Eight, so there can be a nine and a ten. Like I don't yeah. think I, I I don't think I actually made that connection in my head. So are you? It sounds like you probably did like it enough that you'd be excited to watch whatever they do next, assuming they do something again. Yeah, like I, I definitely will go see um, a sequel if they make it. Which they they had a pretty good opening weekend, so I imagine they will. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I wonder. Uh, here's what I wanted to ask you: When they inevitably make the Infinity War, Ocean's, yes. is it going to be Ocean's nineteen or Ocean's twenty three? Are we going to combine thirteen and ten or eleven and eight? It might depend on availability, uh, <laughs> or, or, or they or they just might call it like. Ocean's Infinity Heist or something like that, and then they can just leave themselves some wiggle room depending on who shows up during production. Um, so, it's, 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 so it sounds like it sounds like you don't think Danny's dead. <laughs> no, I mean the last scene was such a tease because I was like, because uh, like they linger so long. You thought I'm he was, like, you thought he was going to walk out from around a corner or something? Yeah, I was like they're totally playing that, and then like they cut the black, and I'm like, come on, like you know. <laughs> It would have been great just to hear the voice, even, but yeah, there's no way he's dead. I yeah, no way. What's so funny? It's not oh. like it's not like an action. It's not like an action movie franchise or a, a superhero franchise where like people come back from the dead, but everyone's just like, not dead, is he? Uh, it's yeah. just, I mean, no one ever like two years ago. No one actually thought there was ever going to be another ocean movie. Like, but now everyone's just sure because they opened up another movie in the universe. He's not dead. I mean, I guess Debbie's kind of like skeptical even herself. Um, but yeah, no, I mean. I would be more than happy with like a three-hour Ocean's Infinity heist thing. Uh, <laughs> it, it would be totally because the thing is, like I like I said, I while I like enjoy getting the band back together scenes. If you do two more of these movies, I'll get to know these characters better by the end. Like I thought they could have definitely done a better job because I mean, like I said, it's so great in the Ocean movies. How I feel like I know who all those people are just after the getting the band together back. Getting I I I know the Molloy twins better from their first race car scene. Then I feel like I know Mindy Kaling's character, and I just yeah. spent a whole movie with her. It's just, but I think, but if they do two more movies and they get these actors back together, like hopefully I'll get to know these characters better and I'll like them, and then you can have an awesome like getting the band back together scene in the Ocean's Infinity movie. Uh, yeah, that doesn't even exist that we're just talking about for some reason. But uh, but like it'll happen. They'll get the Russo brothers. I, mean, I, 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 might, <laughs> I might be forty years old by the time we get to that point, but I will be more than happy to to go watch it. I'm trying to think mm-hmm. of this. Um, Anything else I wanted to talk about with this movie? Um, I uh, I don't think we're probably not the best two to talk about fashion, uh, but I think that's a big yeah. part of this movie. I just wanted to say I think Kate uh, Blanchett kills it with her looks. I would hope people that know things about this would agree with me. But like yeah. it was so cool. How she like I thought she just she just looked great. Like if she was wearing something like totally fancy or like when she was wearing a t shirt, uh, good for her. Like she's like fifty years old now and she's just like she's killing it. I'm happy for her. Um, if anything, I wanted more of her. Like I was kind of. Um... Well, yeah, because we were in agreement after we read the read the Ringer thing. Like Rusty's probably like your number one character too, and it's almost like yeah. hard to explain why because uh, he's just like so chill and like throughout Ocean's Eleven, just like hanging out. But, like the best. Yeah, it's like, are- it's like I told you. I was like, this isn't a knock on Seven or Fight Club or whatever else he's been in, but I really think Rusty Ryan's his best character. I just I love Rusty Ryan so much, and it's basically Brad Pitt. So yeah, like- it's just like the best scenes are just like. Him just like being the smartest guy in the room, or him just like having the shorthand conversations with Clooney, and I would I would kill for like more of that with Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock because you know I like both of them, and I mean Sandra Bullock was thoroughly enjoyable too. Like it's a hard thing to like take over that role from 
uh, George Clooney, even if like Rusty might be a, my favorite character, like probably a bigger ask to just ask someone to step into the Clooney shoes. And I thought she was like, she was really good. I mean, like, it was fun watching her play that type of character where it's like shady moral compass, but like they're still really likable at the same time. Like when she's given the speech about um, there's an eight year old girl right now that's dreaming of being becoming a criminal one day and <laughs> doing this for her. And just that someone that has that kind of outlook on life where they see it's like a thieves can be honorable type thing and mm-hmm. seeing her in that just getting – I mean like I saw – I was reading one review before I got on here. It's like, oh, it didn't actually uh, uh, get, dig into Debbie's head enough, and I think that's unfair. Like I, I feel like I got a decent sense of who she was, and like you're not really mm-hmm. getting that inside – Danny's head in Ocean's Eleven. You just know he's like he he's a criminal. He wants to pull this job because he wants revenge on the guy that has his wife. You know, it's just there's not that much more digging into his personality. I but I feel like I got a sense of what that guy is like at least. Um, yeah, and that's the important thing. Let's see, you have anything else? Did did, uh, did you one one thing I want to ask? Did you think the movie was getting at like a past romantic relationship between Lou and Debbie? Because like I've seen that some places, and I don't know if people are like reading too much into that or if it even really matters. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that at all. Um, I think it'd be an interesting uh, thing to explore. It, I like, because, I, I mean, they would really differentiate it, you know? Yeah, but, uh, I don't need, like, romantic relationships to be a huge part of this movie, these movies, because, like, that's just not exactly what I go to them for. I wouldn't be upset if they found an interesting way to do that. But I felt mm-hmm. like some, I read some reviews that were, like, people were annoyed that they did it. And they only hinted at that. And I'm like, I guess maybe because they've hinted that they had, like, a complications in their relationship in the past. But, I mean, it's also fine to just like think about what these people's past were like. I like thinking when I re- went back and watched Oceans, I was like, oh yeah, these people have like had their own careers together and they just know each other. And it's like, who knows what they did in their past life? But yeah, I, I was I was curious if that was something you thought about at all because like a lot of like a lot of reviewers mention it, but then they just kind of kept going. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't really pick up on anything, but I mean, I wouldn't mind it because I mean, I feel like they have the chemistry where um, and the history together where I mean, it wouldn't be out of left field or anything. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. But. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up. I think it sounds like Joe and I would uh, both give Ocean's Eight a thumbs up, and we're looking forward to uh, sequels and see how they handle it. Because I mean, Ocean's the the original Ocean's franchise. They they certainly like went in a well. Like I said, I didn't love Ocean's Twelve, but they went in a different direction. So be maybe they'll mm-hmm. just take this in a totally different direction, but not the same direction as Ocean's Twelve if they want to keep doing stuff with this franchise. So I'm excited Ocean's about Infinity it. War. I'm, 2029. 20, 20, 20, yep, I'm here for it too. Um, but right now we're going to, I think now we're going to just take like a 10 second break and we'll jump to talking about uh, another gang that got back together, and that's Incredibles 2. So stick around for a few more seconds. And we're back. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, uh, Joe's kind of our, is kind of like my go to guy to talk about. Uh, Pixar stuff with it. it's a Joe's like a big fan of the all their movies in general or I'm assuming at least most of the movies I want to say I'll just put words in your mouth but Joe's Joe's like a big Pixar fan he's works in animation so he he knows this stuff really well and uh, before a couple months ago like I think when we, Joe and I last did a podcast it was on Coco and I had to make the admission to Joe that I'd never seen the Incredibles or Ratatouille I, <laughs> I have since rectified that because I, like, I knew that like Incredibles two is gonna be a big deal. And I needed to like be able to speak a little more knowledgeably about it. So in the last week, I've watched um, both both Incredibles movies and Ratatouille and The Iron Giants. So I feel like I'm more well versed in like what Brad Bird, the director of Incredibles two, uh, likes to do. Uh, so Joe, as someone that has a much longer relationship with this movie than I do, when you first heard they were doing a sequel, did you think it would be something that like picked off literally right where the other one left off? And what was your hopes for it when you heard it was going to happen? Were you, were you excited? Because, I, mean, I mean, they've started revisiting more stuff. I mean, obviously, Toy Story had had sequels for a while, and I guess mm-hmm. kind of Cars did too. But did you think, like, this was something they would ever come back to? And what was there any kind of – did you have any kind of expectations when you first heard there was going to be a sequel? Where you were like, whatever, I'll trust Brad Bird, and I'll just, I'll, I won't even think about it until I get there. Yeah, I guess my first thought was finally. Uh, <laughs> okay, so you really did want something. You really did want to hang out the characters again. Yeah, I, I guess my big thing was, you know, as Pixar's kind of branched out into non-Toy Story sequels, I kind of felt like Incredibles was the Pixar original that most lent itself to having a sequel because I guess that entire movie is that family learning to trust each other and like the kids really uh, coming into their own with their powers, and then like the movie ends and I. Th- still thought there was more story to tell because it's like okay like what do they do now yeah. how, do they, 
how do they handle this dynamic of being a family of superheroes in a society where being a superhero is illegal, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. And also like with the sequelization of all the superhero stuff has happened since, I mean, like since we've gotten the first Incredibles, the entire MCU has been born and all that. So, right. um, yeah, like I really felt like it lent itself to a sequel. And so I was happy that we were going to get it. And then also like my favorite incredible is Jack, Jack and <laughs> promise of more Jack, Jack was too much for me to uh, pass up. So I was like, yes, let this happen. Make this happen. <laughs> yeah. And obviously I didn't have as uh, long of a wait to anticipate a sequel just because it wasn't like something I'd ever seen before, like five days ago. But I, I, I could totally see where you're coming from. It's like if you leave that, it's like, well, what are the kids going to do now? Like they're just going to school. And this isn't about how they blend in in school being kids with powers. It's a, it's a different story than that because I feel like what's so refreshing for this franchise about me is that it's about people that like really truly like are excited to be superheroes. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like I've gotten so fatigued I think from – I think this has been almost more of a problem in the Marvel TV series, um, TV Netflix series. But it's also in other superhero movies where it's like so much of that is about like superheroes that don't want to be superheroes, whether it's because they see the damage that they inflict in the course of that or they just have their own personal issues and with their own losses or whatever. It's just, it feels like so much energy is spent in other movies about like convincing these people that they should go be a superhero when it's like – we know we're watching a superhero movie. They're going to have to be superheroes eventually. Why do we have to like watch this person get dragged to do their job? And here, these mm. people like genuinely are excited to do that, and it's just like very refreshing in that regard. And I'm excited for it. But like, they address some of the same stuff that takes the other superheroes out of play. It's like that's why they first have to like go on the run. It's not not even because of like the Avengers issues where like they killed people, like people died in the course of what they were doing. It's just, it's just funny. I, I can kind of respect it as a lawyer too. It's like, yeah, you're getting sued because of all the property damage. And it's just like an interesting twist to do that in a yeah. kid's movie. But it was like, a, oh yeah, that like, I could see like, I've, I now work in civil litigation. I can see where people would try and make money off of them. And it's like, yeah, you guys got to like take a break. Like, is this costing us too much? And I thought that was like a, an interesting twist. And it's like, but these people still want to do it. And so the fact that someone gives them an opportunity to do it in this movie, and that's where it goes from there. They have these rich benefactors, and they're like, hey, come work with us, and we'll pay you to do it. And that's kind of the takeoff point for the movie. So overall, like, h- how do you think about how the movie got us back into this world and how they went about doing it? Is it I mean, they could have done a version where it's like these people are all 10 years older or something like that, but what mm-hmm. do you think of it? Do you think it seamlessly kind of like transitioned us from that movie to this one, and here's what they have to do to – get back in the game yeah i um i like how they picked it up right where it left off because like the underminer was just such a uh <laughs> was just such a fun way to end the first one i'm glad that they picked it up right again and it was an easy way to get john ratzenberger back for you know he's like in every pixar movie but um you know i thought i i think it was and i i liked how they went immediately from the start because you know, in the first movie, such of the problem of it all is that, you know, superhero superheroing is illegal, you know, like it's something that can't be done and you're not supposed to, I mean, you get in trouble with the government and everything. And then that movie ends so nicely with like a bow tied around it that you're like, um, okay, like what, what's next, you know, what's next for these guys? Cause they're technically like breaking the law. And then, um, and so to have that, to have them come right back where they were and then just immediately have problems. Like, you know, like Violet and Dash are arguing over us to watch Jack Jack and she throws the mask down and gets discovered by Tony, her uh, classmate and then slash potential boyfriend. And then like, you know, they're causing like all this awful property damage and have to like come out like with their hands up and cuffs and everything. Like I thought it was really nice that we got right back into it because it shows like it remind it's a good reminder that like being a superhero like is illegal, you know? And like, this is the problem with the first movie and I mean, this was the problem throughout the whole first movie. And that that's not something that was just conveniently forgotten about. So they keep punching things. Yeah. And the, and, the, and the superheroes being a legal thing, it's something that like, it's another thing that bothers me in those other movies. It's just like, everyone's just like against vigilantes for no reason, like for not a very well explained reasons. Sometimes it's like, mm-hmm. They catch the bad guys though. It's like I, I did like when the Avengers started making it more about like the collateral damage of it, but a lot of times it's like people are like wanting to get rid of superheroes just because they're there. And th- there is something to that in general, like fear of the unknown and like n- not like actually in judging someone. Like t- movies that are in, in, when the movies do that, they're in effect like oh don't don't just judge someone that you don't even know. And that's a good lesson for kids, I guess. But it's like it gets a little tiring when it's just like we don't we're not here for these people like. 
because they're different. And I, I get I get that, but like here it's kind of cool because it's also like not just the lawyer stuff, but it's like you could you could have just how how much do we even need you? Like if you just didn't show up. We have insurance, which yeah. is like, I don't know if like the seven-year-old kid that's like coming is going to really care about that line, but I kind of appreciate it. It's like a different, it's like setting different ground rules for why they're in this position than most superheroes do. And I just think it's movies do. And I just think that's, it's very smart about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like how we got two summer blockbusters referencing uh, insurance, by the way, with <laughs> Ocean's Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't even, I, I hadn't even really thought about the connection, but it was, it's like, yeah, like, do they need to do good? Like, other times I'm like, well, yeah, they're not catching the bad guys in this other stuff, but it's like, here in these other movies, like, they need them, but it's like, here, it's like, if they're just stealing money and they got insurance, like, yeah, maybe they should just, like, go raise a family. I don't know. <laughs> That's the important thing in these, in the Incredibles movies, too, is how often Mr. Incredible isn't successful. Like, in the first, um, in, in the first movie, like the, the opening uh, action sequence, like he lets Bomb Voyage like get away, you know, because he's too busy dealing with uh, the kid as syndrome. And then like – And Elastigirl bail, bails him out. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and then he lets Underminer get away in this one, you know, and he's causing all this property damage while also not catching the criminal. And like I just think that's like a really – fun important distinction um because i mean he is the one who has the chance to stop underminer because everybody else is otherwise preoccupied so but the movie but the movie then calls him out on it where they're like no yeah. elastigirl you're gonna you're gonna be the one and he's on the sidelines which i thought was a fun mm-hmm. twist yeah i did too i really appreciated that because i i really like what they did with his character in this because he's so because i mean especially in the in the brunt like the brunt of the first movie is him trying to like relive his glory days and do things on his own and then his family kind of come and bails him out and then his journey, I guess, is to like to, you know, rely on other people and be able to do these things differently. And, um, sorry, train of thought went off the rails, like the, uh, train in the movie. Well, no, <laughs> no, 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 but I mean, I, I do get what you're saying where it's just like, it's putting him in a different position for sure. And it's like, I like how it flipped it. I like, I like how it flipped the gender roles and how he's, uh, he doesn't take it in stride, but like he, it's still fun watching him interact with the kids and have to do something mm-hmm. and have to do something a little different. Where, like you said, he's 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 all out on his own, and now here he's 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 back at home, like and has to make it work. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, you you said you really liked uh, you really liked Jack Jack a lot from the first movie i don't know what what was it about him that like even you got such a kick out of initially and how do you think they kind of dealt with that because that's probably the biggest thing mr incredible has to deal with now is like finding out he has powers Mm -hmm. yeah so much of uh so much of jack jack's uh story is kind of like you find in the first one is you find out after the fact and you hear how horrific it is now this babysitter like just had had it up i like had it to the point where she just like abandoned the child or you know uh, with this dude dressed as like some super villain or whatever. But, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think it was fun to really kind of uh, explore his powers and like the comedy of it all. Like one thing about this movie that was pretty exciting is um, there's, there was an artist, there's an artist named Teddy Newton who worked at Pixar for a long time. And, you know, he's bounced around the industry a bit, but like he had kind of designed, like I think for the first movie had designed some of the uh, things with Jack, Jack and the raccoon. Um, a friend, a friend of mine told me, and I, I was glad that they were able to bring that, um, original element back. Cause, um, I guess one thing that's pretty interesting that this movie has it and forgive me if I'm completely blanking on something that other superhero movies don't have is like, what is it like to actually like grow up with superpowers? Like as a toddler, you know, like if, I mean, am I, am I missing another movie like that? Cause like, definitely, you know, not, definitely not a toddler. I mean, if you. And if you watch like Smallville growing up, you saw what it'd be like for a kid to go to school with that kind of thing, yeah. powers or something like that. But I got, and I guess Clark Kent crashed down when he was young, but there's movies don't take the time to show what that would have been like. So it's certainly a, and he's not just anything. He has like 17 different powers. So it's got to be kind of insane. Yeah. I think we take for granted. I think we kind of, in superhero movies, we take for granted how quickly or easily the heroes like manage their powers. Cause it's usually like just some sort of montage, right? Where like, you know, Iron Man is like trying to build his armor and, and he like crashes into the wall and stuff a few times. And then like, you know, he's mostly good to go, you know, but he's also like an adult who can like cope with like all this stuff, you know, or, you know, I mean, even Spider-Man as a teen, it's like, you know, uh, 
you at least have like an awareness of like what to do, you know, or like you have like a sort of adult mind where you can kind of comprehend what's happening to you. But it's just like to have like this baby who like really just does these things, not even because he is aware that he's doing them. <laughs> it's just kind of happening. Like they turn him into a gun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the, when he's like switching dimensions <laughs> and Mr. Incredible's like walking around the cookie, like a oh, cookie, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I just I think I love how random it is and how like uncontrollable it is and like you know how that's just part a natural part of like you know because I mean like Dash being like fast you can kind of learn to cope with and Violet I mean in the first one Violet didn't really even know how to cope with her power like yeah she couldn't she didn't really know. she had trouble harnessing him yeah yeah so like for this to be just like a full-on thing with Jack Jack is like pretty incredible too so oh well that was not intended <laughs> Yeah, so well, so so they they have them dealing with all that, and um, one thing I was happy about was that Jack Jack aside, you got the other two kids, and I was kind of worried up for a while. Like you see them fighting at the beginning, and at first I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like they're just kind of like out doing stuff with the kid. They're doing something with the kids there. They have the thing, that whole thing that ends at City Hall. But I was like, oh, is this gonna just? They're just gonna be. I was kind of worried that it was gonna be like a whole movie debating about whether or not the kids should be able to like use their powers in public and fight and stuff, which. And there's some of that there, but I kind of like that it didn't end up dwelling too much on that because just that's where the story took him. And eventually it's like the kids just have to take it upon themselves. But I was worried it was going to be like a whole movie debating about or whether or not the kids were going to be allowed to. And eventually they just kind of like accept that because the kids save them. And it's just – and that, I mean it ends with them like obviously implying that like, all right, we're just going to do this kind of thing together as a family. And I thought it was a, a different kind of spin because – well, I don't know really what I was going off of because I guess – most of the other superhero movies, they don't deal with like parents knowing that the kids have powers. But mm-hmm. I guess I was more just thinking about Smallville because I did watch that show growing up, where it was just all about them telling their kid not to use the powers, and that maybe mm-hmm. like wanted to like push off ever having Clark Kent become Superman forever, or the <laughs> show, not the it's a the show, not the movie. But it's like here, it's like eventually they just kind of accept like, look, these kids know what they're doing, and I and I and I do respect that, and even though they're kind of pressed into duty based on. Uh, what the villains do. So what what did you think about this story itself? Because, I mean, I think one of the str- stronger parts about The Incredibles is that Syndrome is actually, like, a pretty good villain. And I, I guess the way people like to talk about him is that, like, this pre- – well, it did predate the MCU. It probably shows a lot about, like, what's the worst parts of fandom are and, mm-hmm. and male entitlement and just – someone thinking they have ownership over and even celebrity it can be a commentary on celebrity and not just fandom of action of like superheroes and that kind of culture because it's like this guy just thinks he like is entitled to be in part of like someone's life just because they're famous and he's a fan and that was a pretty cool part about the incredibles what what did you think about like our ultimate how they did this because it was like a very slow unwind with screens is it screen slaver yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and a weird, weird name. But like, how did you think about how the movie kind of handled that and what it, how it went about it? Uh, yeah, I would say yeah, Syndrome obviously a better villain than Screen Slaver. I think. Uh, I guess the overall brunt of it was I was kind of fascinated what this movie had to say about like the relationship between kids and parents and kind of how you know whether you take on the mantle of your parents or if you differentiate from your parents, how do you do things differently? And, um, which is one thing why I really appreciated that they took Elastic, they took Elastic Girl and Mr. Incredible like away. Like they put the, they put the glasses on him and that the brunt was really forced on the kids. And it's like, how do the kid, how do, how do we as children, whether you're, you know, the, I forget their names. Um, I'm just going to, Catherine. Oh yeah. Winston and, uh, Evelyn. Yeah. Winston and Evelyn. Yeah. If you have basically how you take your, um, you know, what you learn from your parents, like what your parents leave onto you and like how you let that impact the way you see the world, you know, cause it seems like with, uh, with the Endeavor twins, it was, or I guess they're siblings. I don't know if they're <laughs> maternal or not, but, uh, you know, the brunt of that was like, you know, the dad was super reliant on supers and he had this optimism about supers and how they were special and how they were going to help the world. And just seeing the impact that, you know, a parent's philosophy and ideology can have on your kids. And, um, it's just such a important struggle, especially in that first scene where the Incredibles are eating together, they're eating Chinese together. Um, they're talking about like, you know, laws, like if the law is just like, or whether or not a law is just, and if it's still just to follow like an, an unjust, unjust law. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and that, you know, it was actually kind of prescient given what's going on at the border right now with ICE and everything. But not to get into all that. Well, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's <laughs> funny that you can you can def, you can certainly uh, draw that parallel, even if they made this movie before all that happened. Mm. Um, yeah, but it's just kind of interesting. Like, uh, I just really liked that parent-child dynamic, and I don't know if that was necessarily something Bird was going for, but I mean, I couldn't help but see the movie through that lens. It's just like. Um, what your parents idea like your parents raise you like you know that's the whole nurture aspect nature versus nurture and it's just like you know how do you take what your parents gave you and um use it to grow yourself and um which is and then when you know the the parents are taken out of the at the end and dash and violet have to yeah. save the day with jack jack you know yeah, and, I, and i like that they have to do that uh it's interesting because like i said i i like that ultimately like the kids are enlisted and they, they just have to use their powers and we're, we're, we're along for the ride with them uh i do think that they had to i i like that they or i like that they had to do that but i didn't like how quickly all the other potential new characters got brainwashed uh, yeah. uh like i think it would have been a, like we, we briefly get to see him and then they're just gone like i thought it would have been actually kind of cool to see all of them interact together. Uh, I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, and then all of a sudden, like, and they, they do get their glasses all kind of broken at the end, and then they get to help out. But like, I, 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 I kind of thought it was interesting when uh, um, Elastigirl first encounters them, and then we don't. They're kind of out of sight, out of mind till they attack the kids. And uh, I, and I get that you had to take out uh, Mister Incredible and Elastigirl just to allow them to do that. But I, I just thought it would have been interesting because, like you said, screen slavery, like. Not really the best villain. I'm still not totally sure what her point was. Like, like technologies, uh, it's bad, and we're too reliant on it. And uh, mm-hmm. we, we we let superheroes bail us out. But like, I didn't understand why that was such a concern of hers. Um, <laughs> especially given that she, I guess, presumably raised by the same dad as Winston. But mm-hmm. it's whatever. It was still fun to watch her kind of turn because she was such a she was so chill up until then. Um, and then yeah. she's like, "Oh, I'm the bad guy now," and then you got to deal with it. And it was a it was a fun fight that they had to fight, I'd say. But like, I, I that was probably my one thing with the movie is like, I like a lot of the stuff what we already discussed up to this point. But it was just like, I thought they could have had a just a better back and forth, like with whether or not they they teamed up with these other superheroes first to whatever fight whatever this was, and then they got taken over or something like that. I don't know, but like, I do ultimately like that it was on the kids. I just thought could have thought it would have liked to have gotten there a little differently. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's why it's like my biggest thing about the movie, but like, I, I still really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. And, um, you know, obviously a lot of pressure because this is like the Pixar movie that at least for what, from what I can tell, like Pixar fandom was like Incredibles 2, Incredibles 2. Like I remember when they announced like Toy Story 3, they were like, but we want Incredibles 2. And then when they announced Finding Dory and they're like, we want Incredibles 2. And we got the car sequels. We want Incredibles 2. So. <laughs> Like, I'm glad that we got it, and then I'm glad that, like, I mean, at least in my opinion, it was good, and they, like, did a good job with it. You know, they naturally built on the first movie, even though the villain wasn't as compelling, which, I mean, was going to be difficult anyway. Um, yeah, you know, I, I have positive impressions of it right now. Well, it's, they certainly take their time with this stuff. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, even if people didn't love the Cars movies um, – uh, like most of the other sequels that they do, it's like they don't they don't take that upon themselves lightly. I'd say, and that's like probably the best thing is like it's obvious like a lot of care goes into these movies, and it's not like they're pumping out a sequel every other year like some franchises. You know, it's like that's mm-hmm. just the Pixar way. I, I guess like they were like we're gonna make sure if we do it, we're gonna do it well, and so be it if it's a fourteen year gap. Like we're gonna like make sure it's good, and mm-hmm. um and, and and it certainly is. I um. I don't know. What did you think of the animation itself? Like, what, it definitely was a little different from the first. Like, I guess you could tell that the technology is just better. Because uh, I, when I was reading about the first after I watched it, um, or reading about this one, everyone's like, "Oh, the animation, the first one is so blocky, or whatever like that." And I don't know if it necessarily jumped out to me initially when I watched the first one, but then I could like watch this one and be like, "There's more stuff they can do for sure." Mm-hmm. I remember it was so jarring to watch Toy Story three. Um, because this that was this is the first time I actually truly noticed it because the technology's always gotten better from movie to movie and so like the differences like are slight but like you can tell like it's getting better and better but like I guess wow I guess it was like eight years ago um, 
seeing Toy Story 3 in the theater, you're like, wow, this looks incredible compared to like, there we go again. This looks, it looks incredible compared to the original uh, Toy Story. And then one thing I really liked about this movie is I feel like it's a lot more colorful um, than the original Incredibles. Like I, I was rewatching the original Incredibles this week and like, you know, it's, for um, what it was at the time, it was beautifully animated and all of that. But just seeing how this movie just seemed like a richer picture. Just looking and, at the house that they that they yeah. did, and like that that was like fun to look at a lot. Just everything they did with that. Yeah, I mean, it was truly awesome. And then like it, the the jump in technology from 2004 to 2018, like really allowed like the superhero powers to like sing a bit more. You know, like. I, I, I don't know how they would have done some, a character like Void, for example, like back then, you know, because I just remember the undertaking it was to from what I've, you know, read and watched about putting all the hair like on Sullivan and Monsters Incorporated. So like that we could have a character like Void who's just throwing like random like portals around everywhere. Like, yeah, you know, thought that was thought that was very cool. Did and, you have any thoughts? on Because I didn't have a ton else I want to talk about, but they do. Have, like I said, they throw all these extra characters in there, including her and. Uh, but then, then, then all of a sudden they got the glasses on and um, everyone's kind of taking control of them. Like, were there any of them that even like? So I thought it made it harder for them to make an impression for me. But like, if, if they were ever to do another one of these, like, it'd be cool if they like incorporated like the Incredibles being like at least not a, being their own thing, but like maybe like being friends with them in the in, in the same way that they're friends with uh, Frozone and like it's just like they call on them from time to time. So not opposed to seeing some of these people again, but did any of them leave an impression on you? Like maybe just void a little bit or I don't know, you know, um, I guess I, I viewed them more as like, yeah. Cause I, I would have liked to have seen more and I kind of, I would like to see them come back. Like the reflux guy was just really, I mean, Oh yeah. That's just a total like Pixarian thing where it's just like weird and bizarre, you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I saw them more. And I guess this is just me watching it through the parent child lens thing again. I guess it was like, like Elastigirl really seeing like what the legacy of superheroes were, you know, and like how like it was, you know, what superheroes mean to the general public, what it means to other people who have powers and don't necessarily know what to do with them. Um, and I guess I viewed them through that sort yeah, of lens. They're more there just to be yeah, – show yeah. the effect of the Incredibles more so than to join forces with them, which is an interesting way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the physical embodiment of their legacy and like what that means for the world and – um yeah, like I'm glad that they I'm glad that they fleshed Void out a little bit more. It's it's been good to see more of a gender balance in Pixar movies and uh, like in front of camera anyway. Um, recently, so uh, did you yeah. know, did you did you know that was Catherine Keener as you were watching it? Yeah, like okay. I hadn't looked at it before. I hadn't looked at the voice cast most, mostly beforehand, so it just bothered me like the whole movie. I was like, I was like. I don't know who that voice sounds so familiar for a minute. I thought it was like Rashida Jones. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't know who uh, I couldn't figure it out. And it's, I looked at the end. I was like, fun- I should have known that. It's funny. You say that. Cause I have, I had a friend who texted me like before the movie, he's like, and, and this is how I do. I mean, like I can, I can recognize her voice pretty well, especially since like get out where she does that oh, whole yeah, tea, yeah, yeah. tea stirring thing where, or the spoon, like I, her voice is just like stuck in my mind now ever since watching that. But like, yeah, I had a friend before the movie because he saw it Thursday night. And I didn't see it until Friday. He texted me. He said, "He said uh, Evelyn's played by either Catherine Keener or Rashida Jones, and I can't figure it out." Really? <laughs> yeah. So it's funny that you say that. But too. I was like, maybe she. I was like, I knew Rashida Jones was originally attached to write Toy Story Four. I was like, maybe she was just hanging out in the Pixar building when they were making this, and they were like, "Hey, you want to come voice a character?" And I don't yeah, know why. She voiced the character in Inside Out too. Oh, so. okay, it makes sense. Um, too, then. Okay. So yeah, like the 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 logic is there. <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I, I agreed. And like, I was kind of listening for that too. Like after he texted me that and I was like, I was like, yeah, I can see where people think this is Rashida. Like it kind of has that same quality. And, um, I've been watching a lot of parks and rec lately too. So, yeah. um, it was just kind of in my brain too, but, um, yeah, no, I was like, but I was just thinking of like the t- I was thinking of sometimes like when she was talking, I was just thinking of the scrape of the spoon against the glass mug and you know, all that. So, um, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Is there anything else I didn't touch on that you wanted to mention about the movie? Um, no, no, I, th- like, I think we, I think we pretty covered the gamut pretty well. I think the main thing was, I was like, I think Jack Jack was so fun. And like, I thought this movie was 
like this might be blasphemous to some Incredibles fans who are listening, but like I, I thought this movie was funnier than the first one. Um, like, and I don't know if that's recency bias or anything, but like I just I feel I remember laughing in this one more. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though the first time I the, I saw the first one, I was twelve, so I was like an actual kid, and now like I'm an adult man. But <laughs> maybe some of the more adult things landed with me, like watching this. But uh, I thought this one was funnier, and you know I just appreciated more Jack Jack, and then. Uh, yeah, it would have been nice to have screen slaver a bit more on syndrome's level, but again, like that's a tall order, but, um, yeah, I mean, overall I liked it. I think it's one of the better Pixar sequels. Like I like it better than cars two and three. Um, I think it's better than finding Dory. Um, I can't speak to the cars ones. I don't think you're going to scold me for not having seen them in the same way as the Incredibles though. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, well, I, I, like I said, I, I really liked it too. I just think it's a, it's a, it's a fresh take on like superhero movies and and also like a lot of Pixar movies in one way or another they're about family like the last one we talked about Coco it was about a specific family but like it was all through the eyes of this one kid and I think it's like a unique to other Pixar movies like at least like I guess others are, like or some of the ones that aren't about human beings specifically might have families in them but like this is the one itself that like actually features human beings as opposed to animals or some other creature that like focuses on a family and gets really deep into that family. And I feel like that gives it just like a, a, like a different feeling than other ones. And it's, it's, it's enjoyable for them to bring their perspective like to that kind of story. And that's, I think that's probably what I get more out of it than, than anything is and just uh, that and just like approaching the superhero genre in a slightly different way than other superhero movies, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. And like, it's, it's even kind of funny. You, the Ant-Man and the Wasp trailer was like attached to mm. um, this movie. And I was just kind of, and like now that I think about Ant-Man a little bit and his <laughs> connected to his daughter, like you see other superhero movies, like try to do this and then they do, they do it like reasonably effectively, but um, it's two adverbs in a row. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, just the way they do it with this one is just so like family's not, family's not something that props up the rest of it. Family like is it, you know? And so I really, appreciate that and then again like the whole parent child thing i was talking about earlier like um yeah i just like that it was really like it tells the story from that from that uh, family as a center and i think it really stands out because of that gotcha all right well i think we pretty well covered that one so um yeah, I think, like, like I said, another movie that both Joe and I would recommend. I'd say we're maybe – at least I'm definitely probably a little higher on this than I was on Ocean's 8 after seeing Ocean's 8 a second time. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I think uh, I think we did a pretty good discussion about uh, two different movies, and um, I think it's been a pretty decent summer movie season so far. And I got some interesting stuff coming out the, the next few weeks, but I'd certainly recommend uh, making it to these if you can. Uh, Joe, anything you want to plug before we go? Uh, the Atlanta Braves are in first place. I am enjoying uh, it immensely. Uh, <laughs> my Phillies have been falling off the wagon as of late, so yeah, you can take pro- pro- some pleasure in that when they had been playing them close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's been a good baseball season. So. All right, so that uh, you can find Joe on Twitter. I, what Joe underscore Morgan bragging about the Braves, I guess. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm at Josh Jernavoy, J O S H J U R N O V O I, and thanks for listening to the Rewind, and we'll see you next time.